You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Hey, Mike. Greg Hectus. What up, guys? Mason Stiver. How we doing? And Tony Groves. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, hey. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming uh, into the new year. Uh, iRacers Lounge continues to sponsor the OBRL Monday Night ARCA Series, uh, and they went to the Roval, and uh, that was a pretty fun race. Uh, Eddie Ragin' Cajun Jones beat out the other 40 drivers to capture the pole award, and he led the most laps with 28. Gail Brooks won the Hard Charger Award, gaining 26 spots on the field. The race had a great battle between professional podcaster Greg Hectus, Ed Adams, and Eddie Jones before Hectus got taken out by one of those damn turtles. Ed Adams ended up leading 17 laps and won the field strategy by over 17 seconds over second place Eddie Jones. Kevin Rupert third, Paul House fourth. Next up, Martinsville. Also, Mike, you missed. We we didn't have a show last week, but there was a one we did Charlotte the follow the week before as well. Right. Um, I don't know if you remember where you finished, Tony. Was it just you and me in that race, Tony? Um, I got fourth in that one. Yeah, my position doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, my race was a nightmare. I. I wasn't, I'm slow on road courses anyway, but, um, was doing okay running in the back and got sideways going into turn one and just did kind of a panic reset because I was afraid that I, I think I was fine to just keep going, but I was afraid I was going to get ran over. So just kind of did a panic reset and ruined my race and then ran around my usual slow pace for a good while and then turtled myself toward the end and survived those stupid things, you know, forever and then screwed up. A little while after Greg did, I think, on the turtle. Greg turtled it too. Well, I looking at the replay, I hit it with my rear passenger side tire, and the motor blew. I don't know how that happened, but this is obviously a problem with that track. But um, they, yeah, I think yeah, it's just I was, that. Yeah, that car. I was, yeah, yeah, I was running second place when it happened, and it just touched the right rear tire, and then I go down the straightaway, and it just blew the motor. Yeah, and they gave us one reset too, but um, I accidentally wasted mine on that spin. I I accidentally used up my quick repair on um, probably five seconds of damage. You always got to uncheck that, you know, yep. for that reason. And I think somebody even called it out before the race, and I still missed it. Me? Well, you think? Well, yeah. I'll just uncheck it as I roll on the pit road. But like Chris, he had a panic, you know, panic reset, and so he didn't have time to uncheck it. Yep. Yep. Well, it was fun. I mean, I had a good run going myself. Uh, I had to start in the back. So I had to do a pass-through penalty from the previous week. And, uh, boy, it was tough after that. I mean, because there's no cautions, and so the, you can't catch the leaders. And uh, I was going pretty good. I was Some guy in front of me wrecked or was wrecking, and I went to slow down, and I lost the car and stuck it in the wall, and I had to tow. And then later I wrecked it on my own, so I was out early. Okay, let's get into stories. There's a lot going on. I got the first one. It's uh, FOV. Uh, there's a forum post here um, by Ben Gillette about FOV, and I thought it was pretty interesting uh, because, well, it's actually uh, Ray Huang. 
Um, and he was asking about, you know, why does it look so weird? And so Nick Neven had a great explanation, and he showed a video, uh, a YouTube video. It's called Why You Are So Slow, Field of View on YouTube. And it really gives you a visual about how this works. And here's what you need to imagine. You sit in your car, and you have cardboard, and you cover up all the windows in your car with one big piece of cardboard, okay? The front windows and the side windows. And then I want you to cut a hole the size of your center monitor in the cardboard in front of you where you sit when you're driving the car. Now I want you to drive your car while looking out that hole. And that's what you're doing, essentially, when you're doing iRacing with one monitor, is you're doing a small 22-inch hole that you're kind of peering through and hoping you can see enough to actually drive. Well, that's, he, isn't, isn't that what, like, half the people on the roads do anyways? <laughs> well, they got peripheral vision. And see, when you, if you imagine the cardboard blocking out of the right and the left mirror, or the right and left windows, I mean, and most of the front window um, as well, you know, that it's going to be hard to see. Yeah, it's important to get that FOV right. Yeah, and it was a really good analogy, and a video was really good visually for me to see. He actually draws a little red box. Uh, in front of the driver's face of how big that would be. And you can see it's so much smaller than what you, you could see if you didn't have that. Right, and trying to decide if you want your arms and, and the steering wheel and the view is a hard thing to get used to if you you know usually have them in there. Right. And it's one of those things that you can actually get right, too, so take the time to do it. I mean, like, uh, you like look at force feedback. I've been working on that a little bit recently, and I can go to, you know, 10 different forums and get 10 different opinions and it can never you know it's all kind of driver preference anyway but it's hard to get a starting point but with the the field of view stuff it's kind of just it's math so yeah take the everybody you know it's right there for you iRacing gives you the tools it's it's, it's worth taking you know 20 minutes and getting it right because it makes such a huge difference on the track right and so anyway that was a good analogy i thought we'd bring that up all right greg what's next sage Karam article so Sage Karam had an article here talking about, uh, well, he was at the competition uh, participating in the Porsche Sim Racing Summit. So uh, he was had a multiple topics here, and I guess the biggest thing um, that you can take from when he's talking here is he wants to keep the, uh, the sim or his feeling when he drives the sims real. So, um, you know, he, he some of the guys, I guess, were watching him through the, whole thing and uh, the whole event and they were finding that uh, he likes a heavy steering wheel and heavy pedals um, just like I guess what because you know he drives in real life so I'm guessing he you know has an, a better feel of what an actual car is going to feel like and you know some of the people in that event were turning down the uh, force feedback and we had a discussion at the uh, Old Bastard Racing League about this the other day too about you know sometimes you know if you turn it down you lose the realism, but, you know, you might go faster. But he says he was getting worn out by the time the whole weekend was done. Um, so, you know, one of his User quotes in here, channel. He, a lot of guys crack down the force feedback on their brake pedal and then uh, their travel small. I try to make it as realistic as possible because that's why uh, I have the sim. So he's just talking in there like he wants, you know, it to keep as realistic as he possibly can. Yeah, he's used to training in an Indy car 
you know, and he wants the same feel as that. And so he runs some serious uh, force feedback, obviously. It's a really good article. I mean, it's a long read article. It's at open-wheels.com. Uh, and if you like a long read, it's it's very good. It's about sim racing and racing in general, you know. Uh, he talks about racing with Max Verstappen and, uh, you know, how it was to, you know, kind of meet him on the sim and, and that kind of thing, too. It's very interesting. Okay, uh, next one. Uh, Delara car grip levels. Tony. Yeah, this post come up on the on the forums. Um, uh Am I even on the first page? I am. So Henry Bennett posted up, uh, I guess it was a continuation from a discussion in another thread, but um, basically saying like the, the Delara, the IR-18 has it's too much grip since the latest release. Um, they says uh, the default weather, you know, 78 degrees uh, has the same grip level that they used to have um, when it was, the, was, when the temperature was in the sixties. Um doesn't sound you know too happy about it um they were kind of hoping maybe the fix would be with the the new tire model and staff member eric hudek did come up to say that there's no time frame on the new tire model um but they're gonna see if they can tweak some things to to fix that now i i'm pretty sure i've 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 heard this same thing in in some of the other cars am i correct on that well, I think so. I mean, you got to remember they changed the tire. They cut the, uh, from, you know, by 50% the effect that uh, temperature has on the tire, right? Well, yeah, okay. Then that, that would make, yeah, that makes perfect sense then. Why? So it's a lot grippier. But I think what these guys are saying, well, the IndyCar specifically, it's it's not realistic anymore because of that. And so they're wanting it fixed, basically. And, uh, yeah, he said no time frame on the new tire model. So he did say something to the effect of we could just take some time out of the car. What did he, where did I see that? Well, yeah, it's in the same message there. It should be simple enough to pull out some lap time with the current tires. Right, so try to make it realistic. It's unfortunate how they've written this one now that there is no time frame. You know, the tire model thing just keeps coming up and then being put back on the back burner with you know time frames again and it's at least this is what they should have been saying for the last year instead of all those other promises hashtag soon all right uh mason a lesson on painting yeah so michael henke posted up um a discussion about 24 versus 32 bit tga files um his question was uh Basically, when saving a TGA, should I choose 24 or 32-bit? And uh, the answer to that was the main paint that you're saving is the 24-bit file. The decal layer is the 32-bit. Um, so with TGAs, each channel is 8-bit. So you have 8-bit for red, green, blue in 24-bit with TGA. And with 32-bit, you gain another 8-bit. So the 32 seems to be the way to go. Okay, you kind of went over my head with all that. I'm not much of a painter. Do you guys know what he's talking about? Sounds like you just need to make sure you use the decal layer for decals and the main layer for the main skin. And that's the that's the more important part to save it as the 32. Yeah, I got Photoshop, uh, or I did on my old computer. 
and uh, you can get GIMP uh, or Photoshop for free. If you get, you can go get it from Adobe.com Photoshop for free. If you get the original version, you can actually download it at no cost. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't know anything about that stuff. I don't really paint. I've tried a little bit, but it's really hard. So anyway, hopefully those are some uh, nuggets for you about how that works. All right, let's see what's next here. I lost my spot. <laughs> oh, I think it's uh, sim racing to be taken sim seriously. Be taken seriously. Yep, and uh, it's a it's an article from um, Tim Southers on Motorsports.com who uh, went to the um, the uh, sim racing summit held by Porsche, and uh, you know, and and as he was coming back, he was kind of wondering, seeing all the money and the the things that that Porsche had thrown to that and how awesome that event was, he was kind of wondering if um, sim racing, it was their time, if it was, it was time for um, sim racing to, to finally hit it big. And the article is kind of a, a recap of a sim racing history all the way from uh, the Grand Prix Legends to NASCAR 2003, Gran Turismo, iRacing, R-Factor. Uh, the, the article is slightly um, R-Factor biased, but makes great points as technology has advanced, sim racing is becoming a legitimate esport. Most, if not all, auto manufacturers are major racing, and major racing are looking to get involved. Uh, wow. You guys think it's um, complementing current motorsports or hurting uh, current motorsports, the, the e-racing stuff? And if you were a kid, um, where would you spend your money? Would you? I mean, are you going to try that? That's a, that's one thing. You have a 13-year-old trying to get into racing. We all know i-racing is the way to go but you know if you can pick up um a cheaper a game with your console for 60 bucks well if you look at uh you know i'm gonna use f1 as an example they've spent a lot of money with their studio and everything to to present the whole product and you know there's more people that are going to go out there and purchase you know a uh a, a, a a $60 game off the shelf that's, you know, you can pop in a console and it works. So the problem with sim racing and these esports is, is the accessibility is the problem, right? So if it's easier for, you know, a PlayStation or Xbox or any of those systems are always the same. There's, you know, you pop the disc in or the CD in and you can go. So that's what's making it a little bit easier. Whereas, you know, look at all of, we all have different, computers and we all run different peripherals and things like that so these series if they promote them through these the, the easier spots that's where it's going to be hurting the sim series part of it but you know i'm looking through some of these uh videos and stuff seeing it like you know i, I i've never seen the the lamaz esports series uh logo before that's the first time i've seen that but the one that it'll become more um I would see it would be more of a threat to sim racing if someone from an esports series got hired on to race like in a NASCAR or something. We're, we're, we're lucky enough to have someone from the sim community actually go into um, from iRacing to go up into NASCAR. But if something happened where, you know, off a of heat, they got a job or something like that, we're doing it. That's where it probably could hurt um, the sims part of it. Yeah, I think uh, it helps current motorsports. Um why? Because motorsports is on a decline, and they're latching onto anything they can, and this is an obvious solution to get some eyeballs back on the sport. Uh, I, I just listened to a podcast by Mark Martin 
with Jeff Burton as the guest, and they were talking about if they were a young man and they had the opportunities that a young man has today to on how to consume racing or consume stuff uh, with the different things like iRacing, uh, you know, maybe you don't watch the race because you're actually racing, you know, you're in the sim race. And that's, I really latched onto that because that's kind of like me. I, I don't watch as much NASCAR as I used to because I'm doing sim racing. And um, but, you know, he talked about that a little bit. And it was very interesting. Uh, and I think, you know, this article is all about sim racing taken off as an e-sport. And I think it certainly uh, is. We're seeing the beginning of it. Well, I think it's. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Well, I think so too, and I think um, if we keep getting some people putting money behind it, like Porsche, it's it's going to keep getting bigger. I think you see a lot of things coming away from that that event they put in that sim racing summit, and it's just going to take more things like that, and in things like iRacing putting a hundred grand up for grabs. I mean, you might not, you know, Dad might not spend more than sixty bucks on his kid's hobby if that's what he thinks it is, but. I was actually trying to get one of my buddies who does have a little, you know, extra money, talked into getting, uh, you know, a rig and I race and everything for his kid because, you know, he could, he's 14, could make a history, you know, he could make a future out of it. If he has the talent, why not give him a shot? Well, that's, that's it right there. That's where it's going to complement current motorsports. I mean, we, we are seeing it to a, a small extent right now, but, you know, the next couple of years, if things keep going, it's going to get bigger and bigger because it's, um, opening windows for people that couldn't normally, you know, get into to actual racing just because of the sheer cost, right? Um, a lot of the times too, you know, you're not going to get a ride unless you have money. But if you've got talent that, uh, and you can showcase that talent um, without that huge cost up front, um, it, that that could potentially open up uh, doors for you as well. So I don't. I, I can only see how this uh, would continue complementing current motorsports and and you know help it help the the current product we have now grow um, to get a bigger uh, fan base. Right, yep. and we got you know uh, William Byron, Ty Majeski, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, all on iRacing. They're NASCAR drivers, along with you know we talked about Sage before, um, so. All these real drivers hopping on is making, I think, sim racing more serious. Well, right, but if you, sorry, Greg, ahead, but if, if if you think about it, uh, you know, William Byron, I don't know anything about his background. I know that he came, you know, he he started out on i racing, but would William Byron get the same chances uh, that he's gotten today? You know, say 10, 15 years ago. Right. Well, Probably he got it, he got it in the first stages of iRacing. racing. The you know when Dale Earnhardt Jr. was around and the Peak Series was being built, that's when he got the lucky shot at it, right? Like that's when Gregor Hutu got the chance to go uh, race the uh, Skip Barber car, or, the, or was it the Mazda? I can't remember. Um, anyways, but you know, seeing these um, events though, like even. You know, Mike, I know you on the messenger sometimes when we've watched some of the races this year, you're fired up after the race is done and you want to come to the sim and start racing, right? Like it's, yeah. you know, it gets you fired up now. Like they need to try and figure out how to use it the other way. Whereas, um, you know, come on the sim and, you know, you can hang out or race with these race car drivers and then go watch them on, you know, in their race type thing. Like that's where they need to use it 
to help, right? Like you can race against your best, your favorite esports driver or, or your favorite sim racer. That's where they need to help, you know, market it better that way. Let's have uh, Wednesday nights. Uh, we have 20 of real NASCAR Cup drivers join 20 different splits of NIS. They put one in each split and we get to race with them. That'd be cool. That would drive, you know, that's one way to drive stuff too, right? right. Like that would drive participation. Pretty cool idea. All right, let's keep moving. Greg, secrets of iRacing. Now, I was looking through that. This is um, trying to bring it up here, but uh, so it looks like uh, secrets of iRacing is a, I want to call it like a tutorial of iRacing in general. And it looks like they do a whole bunch of blogs and stuff like that on, um, on whatever they're covering. But this one that they have done is for, uh, iRacing and it gives you like a basically a step-by-step -step thing of iRacing in general on you know what to do you know when you f what is iRacing sales and deals and you know they got um, all the stuff tips and tricks that you would need for anybody that you know hops on now on the evolution of how big iRacing is when you know whereas when it first started it was you know this stuff wasn't all needed it was pretty easy to go through but now they anybody can find any information they want from this, um, uh, what would you call it? Is it a blog? Yeah, it's a I, blog. It's a website. So, but anyways, it, it's it's really in depth. Um, you know, they got bullet points here that you can click on and just read whatever you're looking for. You can look it up, and they got you know a full. It's like it's actually like the user's manual for iRacing, I guess. Yeah. You know, if it was a. Um, if it was an actual game and it needed a book for it, it would be the user manual. So, you know, it's when, well if, done. When I started, I would love to have had this when I first started iRacing. Because when you first start, you really don't have a clue because you haven't read anything. You're like, okay, what race can I get in? And you have to figure out what cars and tracks you have. It's mostly about what you don't have is what you see. But then you eventually figure it out and you just kind of waddle your way through it. If you had a website like this, if you're new, I, I I can't imagine. I would sit and read the whole thing all at once, I probably. Well, I yeah. remember when, when I first started, the only thing that I, you know, we get iRacing, we can look at videos and stuff now. Uh, when I first started, the only way I ever heard about iRacing is, you know, I got it from my dad's PC Gamer, or that month, once a month subscription. It was uh, quick advertising in it. And I thought, well, I love racing games. Let's try it out because it said, you know, one month free or whatever the promotion was at the time. Tried it, and I was hooked. But you know, th that then it was a lot smaller, so it was easy. But this right here would, because you know, it can be overwhelming when you first come in. Yeah, the website is salah.ca. I I don't know if that's how you say it, but it's s e l a h dot c a salah.ca. So. Good job to uh, Matthew Gallant, who's the author of that. I, I found this, and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool for new people. Uh, so be aware of that, guys. If you're new, definitely uh, recommended reading. All right, Chris, uh, Kevin Swindle shares Chili Bowl setup. Yep, yeah, and that's about all there is to this one. Um, Kevin Swindell tweeted out his Chili Bowl setup, and uh, if you don't know the guy, I think he's won the Chili Bowl, I believe, four times. Yeah, so he's the man. He knows his stuff. Uh, wow, how, how how much better does it get than that? You get the best setup from the best driver, the real world driver at that track, 
if you want to run it. it the, the STO file is right there on Twitter. Yeah, that's not a... It's running a 9.9 second lap. Whoa. Yeah, it's. Uh, I still haven't ran. I, I own both of these, and I haven't ran them yet, so I'll definitely have to grab his setup before I go out. But um, iRacing isn't... They're not doing anything special this year for the Chili Bowl, are they? I couldn't... Speaking of stuff, you know, hard to find things in iRacing, I... I figured they would be doing something. It's a special a event, weeks. yeah. Is it? It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I saw on the special event schedule, but um, it was way at the bottom, so I wasn't sure if it was like, we'll, we'll look into it for next year, if we were getting anything this year or not. Yeah, it'll happen. Uh, yeah, I haven't bought it myself, but I almost did. All right, Mason, uh, iRacing gets a black flag from YouTube, copyright. Yeah, um, iRacing is too real, I guess. Um, the, there's a forum post by uh, Brenton Parker, who said he did a broadcast race uh, two weeks ago. This was early December um, in the Pro Mazda. RaceBot did the coverage, and the video has been taken down due to a copyright complaint from Formula One management. Not sure if it's actually from Formula One management or if YouTube is just like the, the their filter is just flagging it. But it seemed the race was at Spa, and it was a 12-second segment with two Pro Mazas going through Lacombe's. Um, so neither of which had a scheme that had anything to do with F1. So we're not sure if the video is back up yet or not. But uh, but yeah, it seems it was so realistic because of the camera angles, which are literally labeled F1. So it could be that is why the view of the track uh, triggered it. So that's pretty cool to know that iRacing is that real looking so you're saying youtube's computer looks at it it compares it to real formula one footage and thinks it's the same thing so it flags it as you don't own that material yeah it seems um they had it earlier this year too in a suzuka race with the gt cars the f1 uh they hold they everything is copyrighted pretty hard on f1 it's really hard so I'm guessing there's probably a lot of filters that uh, catch stuff. Well, you can't talk to a real person at YouTube, so how do you fix this, you know? There's an appeals process, it seems, because they got one reversed earlier in the year. So okay. I think they're trying on this one. Might have to watermark it or something. Weird. I don't know. Yeah, YouTube needs to be better with their filtering is what I would say. All right, I got the next one. Uh, here, rookie, rookie. Uh, Tony, Gar uh, not Tony. Uh, Steve Myers uh, tweeted out after Christmas or on Christmas Day, Merry Christmas, tons of new members the last few days. So all you long timers, please help them out. And so just a reminder that, you know, over the holidays, there are a lot of people that join uh, iRacing. It's one of the biggest joins of the year or times of the year to join. So don't forget that when you're in an event, you might be with somebody who's on their day one or day two or day three, you know. And uh, be kind. It's always nice to have a, a helpful hand. And uh, i got to remember, we're all the veterans now, right? Yeah, and these guys are coming from gaming online, you know, with other sims and games where the the community is kind of a bunch of jerks. So don't be those people. <laughs> we have a, It's a really, really in, insanely awesome community with iRacing. And so just to show them that. All right, Greg, Netherlands server issues. So, just looking up the name for the guy that posted, uh, Fraser Williamson. Uh, he posted at 
1507, everyone received a red cue bar and dropped out of the session. Um, and it looks like a bunch of guys in here corroborate with it. So the whole server went down. So um, they he just posted about it, and it looks like uh, the issue uh, has to be with the... <laughs> yeah, uh, it's with the data center. Uh, we uh, lease these servers from uh, distributor and distributor networks when they add a new server to our infrastructure. Uh, that should not have occurred as we have uh, had them add and remove a server in the past with no dis uh, uh, distribution. Disruptions. Uh, oh, disruption, sorry. Um, fixed within an hour of the first post, hosted sessions can be refunded by a contact or contacting the support. So I guess I was a hosted session. So um, that well, was. Well, it wasn't just hosted, it was any session that was on that set of servers. Which is, you know, they have certain ones in the Netherlands for Europe. Okay, so that was Nicholas Bailey that posted that about the apology for it and giving the information about it. And of course, uh, IR and SR, yeah, you lo you lose it. No, no, nothing goes gets put back. So it's one race. It can't be too bad. All right, let's keep moving, Mason. You don't ha need a handbrake. Yeah, um, they have a forum post up here from Matt Everhart uh, giving some advice to rookies who are jumping in the iRacing Rallycross series. Um, specifically the rookie one. So he has a whole list of eight things up here uh, talking about how they now have baseline setups uh, from Kevin Carlisle and uh, the last thing on here is specifically you don't need a handbrake. They, uh, they say there's only two instances to use it and it's Correcting the car is the more important one, and to getting the the right angle going into the corner. And it's never a full pull on the handbrake, just a little tap. Yep. And uh, if you look through this post, it's a who's who of dirt road, as you would call it today. Now, dirt road, what is that? That means uh, rally cross. But look at these I ratings on the the signatures of these guys. Uh, we're talking about the top level of uh, Rallycross. All these guys are uh, commenting about it, and they all are agreeing with a lot that's been said here. But the handbrake is kind of a surprise to me. I always assumed that you needed it, really. I have a button mapped for it. I, I use it occasionally. But after reading all this stuff, I need to learn how not to use it because it just slows you down. Well, the, maybe that's something they're going to have to fix, though, because if you watch, you know, real rallycross in real life they're on that all the time so maybe that's something that someday down the road it might change though right i don't know don't know i mean it's it's handy to get the car to turn when you can't get it to turn you just tap that button and it turns yeah well in, in real life they're not using a button they're using a, a lever that they can control how much pressure they're putting on it right and maybe that's the the tr trick to it but but even then, I mean, they're basically saying don't do it. Um, so, and and I, you know, I have a, a ghosted with uh, Mitchell DeJong, uh, one of the fast guys in in these cars, and and been in his cockpit, and he doesn't use it. And I've you know gone around and you know watched his inputs on the brake and throttle, and yeah, he never touched it. All right, uh, let's keep moving. Tony, coolest names in iRacing. Yeah, that's right. Um, this is a a pretty fun little topic. It just went haywire. I mean, 
Um, the the thread itself is uh, it's got some. I think we're up to 17 pages on this, and I mean we've all been in a race, and you know you look through and see if there's anybody you know, and then you always come across some names that you know <clears throat> kind of rather stand out. Um, maybe they're just just a cool name or kind of funny to say. Um, I know personally one that uh, I see racing with in my splits all the time is it goes by the name of dude conrad and i just think that is so so freaking cool what an awesome name um but I, I was scrolling through having some fun and i i, I picked out a few that kind of uh really stood out to me um one is the edgar outlaw um that's a pretty badass name uh bass slob gotta love it um hugh Janice, um, figure you guys can oh, huge uh, play. Someone, <laughs> yeah, someone's been watching The Simpsons too much. Yeah, yeah, but there's there's a couple here. I don't know how <laughs> I don't know however you fit that onto a, onto a credit card, but one's just thirty. That's it, three zero. Um, Texas Nation, and uh, last but certainly not least, and probably one of my top favorite ones is Penetration Testing. That is an actual iRacing name. You can look it up. Whoa. I like Kermit the Frog. Is that like lick it and send it then? Penetration. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What about the rule about you got to sign up and use a real name and part of the supporting code and you got to use the name on the credit card? And Well, something's funny kind of going on with those ones there, like uh, 30, uh, the Texas Nation and, and, and the Penetration one. Um, they either like one race or no races at all. Um, if you go look at their, uh, history and stuff. Right. Well, let's, you know, I would say to iRacing, look, you know, the penetration guy, I mean, do we really need that? <laughs> um, yeah, for podcast segments such as this, we, we certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want to race with that guy though, you know? Especially when he's behind you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, let's keep well, moving. Well played, Mike. Yeah, I got the next one. Schedule tweaks. Uh, Road to Pro Oval. Uh, w there's a little tweak to the schedule. Uh, isn't much change except a few weeks were taken out at the beginning of the season due, it, due, due to it not lining up well with week 13 and other series. Aside from that, it's virtually the same format with a few less races. And so that's what's going on for the Road to Pro Oval. Uh, what else? Then there was a uh, announcement about the 2019 Dirt World Championship Series. And the thing to learn about this is they staggered them, uh, the schedules. And so what did they stagger? The sprint car, the late model, and the rally cross. So those three championship series, uh, the first one, the sprint car, will be during season two. The qualifying will be season one. And so when they go to the late model, that's season three. And the qualifying is in season two. And then rally cross, finally, will be in season four with the qualifying in season three. And so as you can see, they're kind of staggered now where they're not running them all at the same time. Good idea. And I think it allows uh, people to do cross-discipline, you know. Uh, if one guy is, wants to run more than one championship series, this pretty much allows it. 
Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, if they're going to do any kind of promotion for for those as well, it's it's going to make it a lot easier to promote an individual series at a time rather than having them all at the same time. Right. I mean, here on the podcast, we couldn't even cover all of them because there's just so many. You know, there's too much going on at once, you know, so you don't cover them at all. And so if there's just one going on at a time, we'll probably talk about it, you know. Yeah, certainly a good change for sure. All right, good. Uh, Mason, tutorial on ride heights. Yeah, so I'm geeking out reading about this one. Um, there is a forum that is forum post for peak setup guys. Uh, they they're kind of answering some questions here, um, and the the main post that that interests me is um, Kristen Challoner, the peak driver. Um, he threw up video, uh, not videos, pictures of his Motec uh, spreadsheet from a fixed set. For Richmond and it shows the ride heights and he goes through and takes out the the front and looks at those specifically takes out the rear looks at those and he kind of diagnoses why the the car is having issues and talks about how he would go through and, and fix it and look at the whole picture before just immediately making a change and seeing if it works because you might create more problems so uh, and and they they seem very open to answering uh, questions that we might have uh, if you want to post your questions on up there holy cow uh, this thread if you're a crew chief you need to be on this thread okay it's called peak setup guys and if you'd want to do setups at all you need to read everything on every page uh, hammer is all over this hammer's been in here as well i've read a lot of his stuff and he has participated and gave given a lot of information as well but a lot of like you said other peak drivers are, are participating, uh, including Brandon Hastings, who's uh, a uh, Penske, uh, real-life Penske crew chief, uh, not a crew chief, but a crew member, I think, on the 12 car. Um, he's in there uh, talking about stuff as well. But, uh, yeah, Christian Challoner, the write-up that he did, like like you said, Mason, it's really amazing the way he kind of describes the process and how he – he says it in words exactly what to do in this step, from this step to this step to this step, and makes it look like it's something that you might be able to figure out if you tried. Yeah, definitely. All right, very cool. Uh, Greg, Daytona 24-hour incident limit has been announced. Which is actually really uh, interesting to read here. But uh, So Drew Adamson has uh, announced, uh, I guess it's been debated, and uh, I know the uh, 24 hours of Le Mans was 100. Uh, so it looks like the limit here for the 24 hours of Daytona is going to be 200 per team. Um, so I think they're doing this because of the participation and stuff they had last year. Or last, uh, yeah, last year and stuff like that. So 200, <laughs> there, won't, there shouldn't be a lot of disqualifications with 200 uh, incident limit. That's a lot. What if you get one a lap? How many laps are there? Oh, it'll probably be, uh, I'm trying to remember, what the, it's probably going to be in close to a 1,000 plus laps, isn't it? Right, so you you get out a lot of laps with no incidents. I think and, we need to bump this up to about 200 per person. <laughs> well, there's a lot of discussion in this thread about that. Is that the I, right amount? Yeah. I think 200's enough. Like, it, that's a lot of incidents to count. I mean, yeah. Challenge accepted. You can definitely lose if if one of the guys gets all those, is definitely going to lose his road license. Well, what I don't like about it is, I'm not the best driver on my team, 
and I get more incidents and I somehow DQ us out, that screws the race for everybody else, even though they, it wasn't their fault. I guess it's no different in wrecking, but... Just don't wreck it. Keep it on the black stuff. We're good. So 200, okay. And we're looks like we're going to be... Uh, we're still debating on having a third car or not, but it looks like we're going to be doing at least two cars and one in each class. Or one yeah, of the two or, cars. There's three classes, so two of the three classes. I don't see how you're going to do three unless you've got three people that want to run, you know, eight hours each. Uh, but then you're asking the other three people, you know, to do eight hours each as well. So, and if one person doesn't show up, then you're screwed. So I don't know about three cars. I think two is the, the, the right spot. If we had about two more people, maybe three. We did it last year with three, correct? Well, we did Lamar with three. We had more people, though. So, anyway. People. Yeah, we got the schedule built, uh, so I think we're on the right track. Uh, it is a little bit like herding cats, but we got everybody to actually put a schedule together. So, I'm very pleased that the schedule's done at this point. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Chris, why do people get second accounts? Well, it's a... Uh comes from a forum post and there are a lot of opinions on why people get second accounts including some from tyler hudson um but uh the one that i think um we're concerned with here uh, is a post from jonathan battelle uh, he said in his opinion the second account is the solution taken by many to make up for the lack of i rating per car they want to maintain their i rating artificially high in the car where they excel no more than four times a week they play the championship and yep. um yeah that makes sense to me i mean uh, and i i, I wonder we've talked about this before um, i think pretty much everybody in the sim universally would like to see them have i rate um i rating per car so you can have you know without having a second account you can have let's say the a car that you take seriously you run nis and you want to run um truck races on the weekend for fun you don't have to worry about your you know losing that top split nis spot because you want to have some fun in the trucks i think there's a side effect a negative side effect to this a lot of people forget though if they do have i rating per car and my main car is the a car uh what's stopping me from going to the b car and just being all crazy and just you know wrecking being nuts and whatever i don't care because i don't care about my b i i rating and so does that make the racing overall worse because the people like that or only care about a particular car you know that would i think that's kind of a downside but i don't awesome. think so yeah i think because you're still going to have i mean you still have the protest system and the sporting code and you know some most of those official races can be pretty rough you know, to begin with, but I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a discussion to have, but yeah, I don't know. If I got the... a second account, this is exactly the reason would be I don't want to mess up my I rating for NIS, and I want to run other oval stuff. And uh, basically, that's why I don't run much official oval, because I don't want to mess up that I rating, you know? So, I don't know. It's expensive to have a second account, uh, so... Yeah, I'm sure I rating it. loves it. <laughs> have three. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. I got the next one. This I, I got to say, guys, in my five years of doing this show, I don't think I've ever laughed out loud when I read a forum post like I did this one. Okay, so I hold your breath. <clears throat> I got arrested during the 24 hours of Le Mans by Ben Gilliatt from UK. Anyway, they're doing a 24-hour race hosted uh, with his team, and... Uh, 
he was two laps into his stint when my teammate said that somebody's trying to get into my van. I couldn't hear anything and choose to ignore them, carried on driving. Twelve minutes later, the power went off, so I removed my Oculus, jumped out of the rig raging, opened the van door, and was met by 12 police officers. They literally dragged me out of the van, pinned me against the van, and handcuffed me. I was there for 20 minutes while they searched the van, and they found nothing, and they released me. Basically, they thought the van was a mobile drug factory. They thought they said they could smell weed and could see a bright light inside the van. The van was moving about a bit as well from the motion rig, and when it was... When they were knocking on the van, I wasn't responding. They thought I was ignoring them and destroying evidence. Sadly for them, they didn't stumble upon a Walter White and Jesse Pinkman-style weed lab, only a guy in a van racing online in VR. Uh, And unbelievable. And there's pictures of the sim racing van on this thread as well. Uh, What do you guys think about this? Uh, Have you ever thought about racing in a van? Yeah, take it to work, and then you can race on your lunch breaks. <laughs> Just don't race in a an all black van without you know proper windows, because <laughs> the cops are going to think something shady's going on in there. <laughs> it's like a big cargo van, all blacked out, you know, black, and it's got blacked out windows and everything. He never did uh, explain what the weed smell was from, though. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, basically, he just. He said, I can't find it at the moment, but somewhere in this thread, he says, well, I race in the van because I don't want to disrupt, you know, the wife and the kids and I need some, you know, my space. And so I just, you know, park a van out front of the house and just run an extension cord out and, and do my racing out there. Okay. So now I'm really surprised. He said he has a wife too. This is... <laughs> and three kids. Oh man. That is you know, I, I would never have thought about putting it in a van, but, you know, kudos to him for, you know, doing it. I guess if you got to, you don't even, the van doesn't even have to be an operating van. I guess it's basically just like a his own room that's not attached to the house. Yeah, next time it'll have to be a shed so the cops don't, well, they'd probably still bust into that too, I guess. <laughs> He's going to Home Depot to buy one of those external sheds. <laughs> that has to get cold. Yeah, and then he went on to say, uh, the night before was a Christmas party night, and one of the drivers went a bit mad on the juice. After recovering the whole day, he came about. He came on at 11 p.m. to do his stint. He managed to complete his stint, and then he disappeared. He passed out, smashed his head on his rig, and opened up a nice gash. He was found by the missus in a pool of blood, completely knocked out cold. So he ended up in the hospital, we found out, at 10 a.m. the next morning. And that was another guy in his team. For that race. This is a hardcore team. How do we get them on our podcast? It would be an interesting to talk to them. I just can't believe the sim racing van. I have so many questions about the van. It, it kind of looks like a SWAT van, you know? I think we need to get in contact with this guy. He's even got pictures of the cops standing outside with their little ticket uh, books and whatnot. It's pretty funny. That one cop looks way too happy for being coming to a drug bust. All right, let's keep moving. Brent, Porsche Pro Qualifying Series. Racebot TV went and released a um, ad for their YouTube or made a link to YouTube for the iRacing Esports Network and the Porsche um, Pro Qualifying Series that's going to happen on Saturdays. They went and put up on YouTube all of their scheduled streams. You guys will be able to catch every single one of those that are up there if you're into that. 
Yeah, cool that they're having it broadcast. I think that's pretty cool. Better than they're doing with the peak uh, Road to Pro stuff. They don't, you know, no broadcast of that. Yeah, yeah I will say kudos to Porsche, man. They seem to really be on the ball with yeah, this sure. stuff. Yeah, Race Spot doesn't do this stuff for free. So either iRacing had to pony up something or Porsche did, but somebody did, and that's what counts, right? All right, Chris Scales, bottom split night in America. We got an announcement. Yes, uh, so this is uh, pretty exciting. So I think we uh, during the podcast we talked a lot about the the bottom split night in America. They um, broadcasted the the bottom split races, bottom split NIS races on the Wednesday night open, and um, they have actually started their own league and they're going to start doing their own special events. Um, they're calling it preseason thunder. They say we're so damn excited for the upcoming NIS bottom split season. We're hosting our own shindig. It's going to be uh, next Wednesday, January the 9th. Server goes up at 8.30 Eastern Time. Rest, race set sail at 9.05. 40-something slots available. First come, first serve. It's going to be the cup cars. Uh, 69 laps, of course. <laughs> if you're a uh, 1999 I-rating or lower, you're, um, you're yeah. eligible to apply. Yep, you just uh, need to apply to their league. And uh, they are going to have uh, prizes, uh, 30 credits to the winner, 15 for second, 5 for third. Additional prizes may be distributed. <laughs> I love that. They may be. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to try to run this. Uh, these guys, I usually run with the, the OBRL Wednesday. It sucks that I'll be missing that. But these guys did an incredible job. Jordan Worth and the, the, the bomb split guys, I mean, they were a lot of fun to watch through the season last year. And... It definitely would like to participate in whatever the heck this thing is. <laughs> yeah. Tony, and you haven't you know, signed it's fun, up? Uh, it's fun to watch. Yeah, I see we got um, Bobby's in it too, huh? Bobby Jonas? He's doing it also? He's definitely um, in the league. I haven't talked to him yet to find out if he's going to be able to run next Wednesday or not. But yeah, I, I like how everything's kind of free form. So we'll, we'll see what they do when they get their own platform and it's not an NIS race. They do say they'll throw a competition caution at some point. <laughs> That's just the way they I do it. I could just see them screwing around. Yeah, yeah, un- unlimited res- uh, resets. So it should be interesting. They'll have one of those races where they go backwards on the track. Who knows? <laughs> All right, I got the next one. Uh, Drew Addison uh, from iRacing actually uh, opened up a Discord for an audio chat the other day to talk about the incident limit for the 24 hours race. And so he did post up, uh, people were able to join the discord and talk to drew about what they thought about the incident limit. Now a few people, uh, joined him from what I can see on the forums, but I thought it was pretty cool that, you know, not only are the, the staff members participating in the forums, you know, in writing, but now, you know, you can talk to them, uh, and so uh, he said, you know, one time only for now, maybe he'll do it in the future. But uh, it's kind of neat to see that they, uh, you know, just open up a discussion for people, you know. They should do this kind of for certain things like this would be a good way to get feedback, you know, have like a, you know, a community Round hall, table. like a town yeah. hall, right? Like, and just, you know, just talk like what what what's going good what's going bad like you know you know it's it's one more thing to write stuff down but it's really hard to convey stuff in in in, 
in a text or in text. So maybe it might be, you know, you can talk to them uh, with their legitimate concerns or whatever, uh, and they might hear it better by, you know, speaking to them over that Discord because Discord's easy to deal with, right? Yeah, and it's a good idea. I agree. They need to schedule it out. He did it with very little notice, and so not a lot of people, you know, knew about it. So this brings up another point kind of um, similar to what NASCAR does as far as like a driver count, driver's council or whatever they call them, you know. Does I, I racing doesn't have anything like that, correct, for members from all different? They have the once-a-year survey they do. Yeah, but that's not really – that's not really getting – you're getting – focused feedback from that you're not getting what right you know people from the lower splits think versus people from the upper splits and i'm just thinking like if they could you know maybe once every two or once every two or three months get you know certain people just pick them out and say look will you be able to talk about this what are your concerns going to those people i think that might go a long way yeah pluck some names out of the forums of people that have given good ideas i think they're doing that to a degree brent in writing as far as the forums because you see a lot of staff members in the forums participating now getting involved in these threads giving feedback and so i think they really do have a good pulse about what the community wants because they're participating like we are okay let's keep moving scales you got the next one wow this was interesting y2k yeah um monday night i went on to race the the old bastard old bastards um race and found out that i couldn't um the the race wasn't up in in leagues and i went to official and there was nothing in the official either um the old bastards and tofosi we uh kind of thought it was a y2k bug i've heard that it's happened it happens every year and so i think we end up uh I switched my time to Chinese and was able to get into a practice, but uh, <laughs> it looks like that it might not have been um, Y2K, you know, time related at all. Uh, if you believe Tyler Hudson's post, um, he said it, um, it was the uh, the Porsche Cup schedule was reduced from 12 weeks to three, and so when the schedule when the schedule swapped to week four, it caused the entire scheduler to crash. Long story short, the series was turned off and the schedule scheduler rebooted. And now everything is coming back up. So, what do you guys think? Is it, was it uh, was it that, or was this some kind of weird Y two K bug? It seems like a weird night well, for it I to happen. China, <laughs> I think the China time zone thing was real because it set your clock back to the previous year where it wasn't a problem, right? Well, I so I I changed the time and then I tried to get into a practice using um the the sessions tab up at the top instead of you know, clicking on the, the left side of the scheduler. Right. And so somebody has said that actually just clicking on sessions, they were able to get in without having to change the time. But yeah, there was nothing, there was nothing scheduled that night. I think it was about after about six um, or so Eastern when I got on and everybody was just kind of out of luck. Well, and what day was that? The, the laps turned was negative. It was showing that? for a couple of days that it was showing for over 24 hours that way. That's some kind of computer integer problem, though. Bailey, Ferris Bueller bug. The numbers are so <laughs> big that uh, you know regular computing can't handle it, so they had to work. It to kind of work around to fix it. Uh, Nick Deben also posted up. This is the third year in a row something like this has happened on New Year's Eve. Yeah, they there was he was documenting how the form each forms page was up there with uh, the problems of each year. So. 
maybe it's a mixture of both. You know, they, did the Porsche thing cause it? And then did, is it something that they can't get their their code around to work as soon as it switches over that eight? You think it'd be simple, but all right, let's keep moving. Tony, beta UI. Can't hear you. Yeah, we lost your mic. Uh, I'll take it up then. Uh, beta UI discussion. Uh, well, you know, the thread continues, you know, about why do we need a beta UI and the, all this. Well, <clears throat> one guy posted up a link that he's found. I'm going to read the website. It's uh, members-ng.iracing.com members-ng.iracing.com and if you go to that website guess what you see you see the beta UI in Google Chrome what okay this is great you know if they want to do beta UI bring it to me but give it to me in my Google Chrome I don't want this clunky crap that they put it in that runs my graphics card and makes it hot or my buddies who have VR uh, having to put on their headset just to look for races. It's ridiculous. And this website here proves that it works uh, in a regular browser. Uh, now, if you go to that website, you'll see the beta UI, but then it says something like, not allowed. Have you tried it this way at all, Mike? Well, I've clicked it, but you can't really get in. And uh, I did sign in, uh, but then it says you're not allowed. Okay. Well, I, I'd be interested. Yeah, I, I did click on it, but I didn't bother going through all the sign-up stuff. I was just wondering, you know, I'm sure they'll still have all the same graphics, and if it's going to be, you know, still pulling from your your uh, graphics card, um, like the actual beta UI does. It's in a Google Chrome browser, though. It's not, my graphics card's not running, and I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at the beta UI within a browser, and I sit sign in, and then it says not allowed. But uh, you can tell by the design of it, it's basically the the beta UI code that you can put in a browser by going to that particular website. So, man, that's what I say to iRacing is, you know, everyone hates this other thing. Remember, we did a poll with a lot of people who voted. That was like, I think it was 78% last time I looked, did not like it. Why don't you just compromise and put it within the browser and then we have the best of both worlds? And then they wouldn't have to, they could just keep working on the beta UI and get rid of the other stuff. Right. I mean, why why do people have to put on their VR glasses to go looking for the next race? That's ridiculous. All right. Anyway, uh, I was kind of surprised to see that there is a web version of the beta UI that's out there, but it's blocked. All right. Uh, Mason, you got the next one. We got some info on the 24-hour race. Yeah, so our 24 Hours of Daytona is happening on January 18th to 20th. Uh, there's a time slot Saturday, 1 o'clock GMT, which is Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, or uh, on Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern. Uh, you need at least a D4.0 road license, and it's uh, the sim date. The time of day setting is going to be January 19, 2019 at 2 p.m. That's when the race is going to start time-wise. Um, you get 30-minute warm-up, 8-minute two-lap qualifying, and then our 24-hour race with uh, dynamic weather. We're splitting by I-rating. And um, it does say incident limited TBA on here, but like we talked about, it sounds like it's going to be about 200. Um, field size is going to be 50, and our cars are the Corvette uh, Daytona prototype. 
the Ferrari GTE, Ford GT 2017, Porsche 911 RSR, Audi R8, and the Mercedes GT3. Okay, so the big change is 50 on the field size. That's gone down. It used to be 63, I think. And uh, qualifying is attached. The other thing that's weird on here, why would they not start it at the same time of day that the actual race is starting? Oh, I guess the kids are two different start times, I guess, yeah. But they have the sim so start PM. time is different than the race start time. I guess it's different wherever everybody's starting. Right. So in the sim, the it's at the same time as the real race, so the sun will go up and down at the right times, okay? But we're going to still start the race when we normally start these things. So if we're that makes we're, sense. we're doing slot 2, time slot 2. That's right, yeah. And uh, you know, qualifying attached, that means one person, the guy who's starting the race is going to do the qualifying and he gets one shot at it. Two laps. Yep, good luck. <laughs> so also Have fun, David. <laughs> or Gregory. <laughs> Have fun. So also, um, Drew Adamson, high racing staff member, um, is looking at putting up a classic Daytona twenty four hours on January sixteenth. That's a Wednesday night at seven thirty PM Eastern. Uh, he put up a poll asking if people would run it and about seventy seven percent of people that's 34 people, would say yes. They want to utilize the Riley DP and Porsche Cup cars. Um, so if you're interested, uh, check out that form. It's called Classic Daytona 24. But it's only a two-hour race. Well, it, oh, used, to be two point, it was used to be 2.4. That's what they used to do, right? Well, they still are doing that. This is something different they're doing. No, but when they first did the, the first ever 24 hours, they called it, they called it, the, the the roar between the four, the the roar between before the twenty four, uh, or two point four is what this is, used to what he's doing right here is it used to be the Riley DP, and whatever other cars I think they use a Corvette, um, back in in the day, and that was the twenty four hours because it couldn't go f longer than so long in the server so that was two point four hours. I see. All right, let's get keep moving. Chris Scales, hardware, software. What's first, the Pimax? Yeah, this is pretty exciting. So this is a, a new VR headset, and um, I actually just switched to VR. Got a Rift yesterday, and it's absolutely incredible. But my one complaint would be the resolution. It's it's much worse than what you'd see in on a decent monitor. And um, Brian Nunmaker uh, made a forum post that he has tested out the new Primax 5K, and um, this headset is uh, made by a Chinese company who started a uh, Kickstarter, and uh, his impressions so far have been really good. He said it's um, hard to describe first impressions. Beyond, Beyond wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> Full field of view, much clearer picture than Odyssey Plus. All of the text is clear and readable. Um, I know this sounds silly, but it was basically the same feeling of joy I had running iRacing VR for the first time. It basically feels like I get the resolution of triples in VR. He wow. just say, just say everything's not perfect. He said, with that said, not everything is perfect in the land of Oz. There is some distortion of the image at the extremes of the field of view left and right. I don't notice while driving, but it is much more noticeable while in the moving camera mode from the main menu. While driving, it isn't distracting, and I think I would keep it because it helps when everyone passes me. <laughs> but, uh... 
But yes, yeah, um, I looked it up and it looks like this thing is about a grand and following, oh. you know, a Kickstarter. So uh, maybe not for everybody right now, but it's pretty exciting to see that we, we there is an option out there for VR and, uh, you know, to have that high resolution. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, I know, Mason, you said that I, I didn't see what anything about uh, having issues with the, the video card. Did you say that um, maybe it, you know, the high-powered video cards may not be able to run this thing quite as well as some of the others? Yeah, I was. Uh, I did some research on it just because I didn't know what this thing was. Um, and there were a couple uh, game tests that had it had them testing the 2080 uh, video card with it, and it was saying it was really pulling down on on that without much performance because of the resolution of the the VR headset. So you're gonna need something pretty something hefty. Decent. Yeah, Brian, I think. Uh... Brian, who tested this in iRacing, he's using a 1080 Ti. So, <laughs> yeah, and you know, I mean, I'm sure with this thing, with the resolution it's got to be put now, I'm sure it uses a, it's going to need a good video card, period. Plus, I'm sure with it being new, you know, optimiz- optimization is not going to be there. But it's pretty exciting. Like I said, I'm not going to spend $1,000 on a headset, but if it's, if they have it now, you know, a few years down the road, we'll have the same thing for a few hundred. Is this, uh, it looks like a Canadian product then. Pretty sweet looking headset. Yep, it looks big, but uh, it, there's yeah, another it post. A little, little bit yeah, heavier than the others. There's another review by a guy on uh, Reddit called Yellow Swag McFartnut, <laughs> and he said, <laughs> Oh my reviews. God, this thing is awesome. There's no other way to describe it. This was 100% worth every single penny and every minute spent waiting on it to arrive. My Rift and Vive have reached their end of their useful lives for me and will be handed down to the kids. Ouch. All right, get that uh, goggles. Oh, by the way, Justin Laird, a teammate, he got the Lenovo goggles, which are just over $100. And he had very good things to say about it. I mean, what would you guys think about what Justin got? Yeah, I've, I've, uh, he seemed pretty happy, and because I've been looking into VR for a little while now, and I've seen a lot of reviews on those Lenovos, and I haven't seen anything say anybody say anything negative about them. So, yeah, for a hundred bucks, especially if you're running on one monitor, I mean that's a no-brainer. I think if you have a, you know, probably at least maybe like a 1050, 1060. I know there's a few of the uh, old bastards running those Lenovo headsets, and uh, yeah, they, they're all saying the same thing. They love it. It was great for them. Can't beat that price, man. All right, Greg, uh, perfect pedal for the G25, G27. So, uh, going to the website here, uh, Gary Gibson, uh, I guess the manufacturer here, has uh, made perfect pedal, which is uh, it's got a pressure cylinder in it. Um, bringing an image up here for the viewers here. Um, so, I'll it's just basically the brake pedal um, that would fit right back into the, like the, the, the base of your uh, G25 or G27 uh, base, um, but it replaces the spring-loaded uh, pedal with this brake, uh, pressured one. It's got a pressure hose that goes into the circuit board, which, you know, converts that to a signal that um you know and it also has you know a little more pressure to it so it feels like more like a realistic break um so what do you guys think it, it looks like a pretty good mod uh for the g25 g27 but it's it looks like it's all aluminum uh or type of metal i guess it's probably maybe just metal it's been around forever too um 
This is like the original, you know, upgrade. Because back in the day, all you had was a Logitech, and and so the price on this is two hundred and fifty bucks. And um, I think if you have two hundred and fifty bucks to spend, you would just buy a whole different set of pedals, not upgrade your crappy, you know, G twenty sevens. Well, if you had, it's another what ninety nine bucks for Fanatec room. Right, and so. I don't know. I mean, if you have G25 and G27, you want to upgrade, you know, we, that's why we're talking about it. It's perfectpedal.com. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I would do it or not. All right, Mason, Turn R1 Pro Steering Wheel. Yeah, the Turn Racing Company has a very realistic-looking wheel. It's kind of like a, a U-shape um, with uh, some kind of, uh, like, fabric uh, covering where you would hold it. Um, it doesn't come with buttons, but any uh, button kind of box system will fit there. Um, it's compatible with the G25, G27, the Fanatec, um, Universal Hub, uh, and most of the button boxes come out. It's currently listed at $179. You're saving a whopping 41 um, But you can get it with the carbon fiber center plate um, and uh, this company looks pretty good they looks pretty solid looks like you can get it with the g27 g25 adapter version 100 percent genuine suede material oh there you go it, I, it's kind of a bummer it doesn't come with the buttons but um but yeah another wheel option man there are so many Okay, Brent, let's get into some other ones. Cube Controls. Cube Controls is a company over in Italy that has just released, or they've had it released now for quite some time, some uh, brand new wheels, formula wheels, and some GT steering wheels. They claim to be the latest in state-of-the-art sim racing equipment, high-end product that will allow you to race with unprecedented skills. Now, I don't know if they're talking about the same skills that I have or the skills that Lando Norris has, the um, McLaren driver from F1, who's seen in his uh, Instagram page using this wheel to test. But they look pretty sturdy and they look pretty solid. The only difference is, or the only concern is, I don't know about the price. Some of them are about a thousand euros, and there's a couple for about seven hundred on there. What are you guys' thoughts on this? The backlit buttons. Oh my god, they look awesome. Yeah, especially a, in different colors too. Yeah, there's a formula. The Formula Steering Wheel Pro, which is one of the expensive ones, if not the most expensive, looks extremely impressive with the backlit uh, lighting, like you said, and all the knobs on there that you can turn. Plus the um, the way that it's made, I bet you that thing would last forever. Yeah, it looks nice. So, which would you go with, the Fanatec one or that one? That Fanatec one's a lot cheaper, a lot, lot cheaper. I mean, if you line all these up next to each other, I mean, yeah, there's so many different things, but the price is a big difference. Like you said, 300 or a thousand, you know, they are high quality looking though. Like they're, they're great eyepiece just to even look at when you're, you know, somebody's coming over to look at your rig. It's just something nice to have right in the center too. Right. Yeah. And you got somebody like Lando Norris who money is no object. I'm sure, you know, with, for his SIM rig and, you know, what wheel is he running? Well, he's running this one. All right, let's keep on moving. Uh, Tony, Force Field Gaming Pad. Yeah, 
Yeah, next time it's from a company called Realtus. Um, it's the the Force Feel haptic gaming pad. Um, it's a pad you put on your chair. Gives you realistic feedback. I guess they got eight haptic zones. Um, eye racing and other racing and fl flight sims are supported. Um, yeah, uh, this one, I be honest, guys, I, I really don't like it at all. Um, you know, it's uh, the, the, the video, um, it, it shows it. And, you know, it's, it's a nice looking uh, seat pad. It's like a faux leather. Um, you know, it does look solidly built. And from all the comments and stuff of people that have actually gotten them, um, say that, that it is well built. Um, unfortunately, the, the video to me just uh, was pretty much all fluff and no real substance. Um, they didn't really give you anything. It's just some fancy music and some, and some uh, you know, transition cuts. And there you go. Um, <clears throat> the oh. other thing that, that kind of turned me off of this is, is the programming that comes with it. Um, they, they have it in two separate things, right? For flight and for, for racing. Uh, but only, you only get one uh, when, when you order the, the seat pad and you got to pay for the other one. If, if you, you know, do cross cross sims, right? Oh. Uh, yeah, I got a real hard time with with, with this one here. Um, the the layout of the uh, the haptic vibrator, whatever the hell they are. Um, I, I had a an office chair a few years ago that had the the built-in uh, massager, so to speak. Right. Well, after a little bit, the chair wears in, and those. Um, those motors start digging into your legs and, you know, wherever you, you put the most amount of pressure on that seat pad, I'd be interested to know how, how this thing is like six months after, after use, or, you know, maybe even a year after the use. But, um, anyhow, they, they do got it going. It's $189. Um, and it looks like they've, I think this was a Kickstarter uh, you know, pre-order type deal. So they just got like their big shipment out um, late 2018. And it uh, looks like they're taking more pre-orders for the next round that they come out. Um, the reviews on it are, they got five stars on their, on their website. Um, but there's, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't like it. It's a, so it's a seat pad with like speakers in it or transducers, right? So you can kind of feel the rumble. Well, I think they're a little bit more than that. Um, that's kind of how it works with with uh, the programs that aren't supported by it yet. But um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of hard to to dig through because they don't really tell you a whole lot. They're just here, look at it. It's flashy. Right. Well, I'll say, well, like I a... actually have a really good review on this one soon. Steve Thompson actually has one of these coming. He might already have it. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yes. He even he said he'd come on the podcast too if you want him to to and actually give us a review of it. So, so the we website, should know whether it's trash or not very soon. Yep. Uh, re website is real r e a l t e u s dot com. Real t s. All right. Uh, check it out if you want one of those things. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm buying that. But Chris, uh, what's next? Cockpit review. Yeah, and um, maybe we followed this guy. A bit, but <laughs> I'm not. Like I said, he's given. Uh, this is from um, 
Well, he's from Canada. Reed Miller, so. yeah, and he's giving us a, an update on his uh, rig project, but uh, a 2018 update. But this thing is just kind of a mess to me. <laughs> I'm not really sure what to make of it. Well, it's a wood rig for our audio listeners. He's made his rig out of wood where he mounts his wheel and he's got a place for his mouse and his shifter. And But what's interesting is his wood isn't like cut to size. Like it's different, you know, like the stand on the right and the left are different lengths. Um, and so he's like used like scrap wood and stuff. And, uh, and, and then when you look at the side of it, like the wood has a bunch of drill holes in it like he's tried it like five different ways and then he had to move it like five different times because he didn't have it right and yeah i don't want to go on the seat but that little butt print thing looks comfortable i don't know what that is but it looks cool so so i go ahead oh yeah go ahead i'm just gonna point out like he's got an emoji stress ball attached to his rig (laughs) i mean me and this guy could have beers. I love this thing. Well, and then his table that's kind of sitting over it where the monitors and what are, you know, that's a, what is that? A nice piece of wood with some uh, PVC legs, right? He needs some cable management. He needs some twi- some, some ties, some, zip some ties, places to yeah. put it. But, you know, it's a, it's a great, you know, it's good to do stuff yourself and stuff, but you know, it's it's it, it does the job that looks like for him. It's even got his slippers or his racing shoes, whatever you want to call it. There in the one image, Did you see the so, fans up top. He's got three fans right out straight from his wheel, like nice. for your uh, your desktop fans or PC fans. Yeah. So he's the the first person I've seen that has the same shifter as me, um, and then, and I find it interesting how he mounted it because that looks a lot better than what I have. So I really <laughs> like that shifter though. You so he's go. got a nice he's got a nice wheelbase, he's got a nice shifter, he's got a you know, a stress nice button box. The stress, stress ball. ball is just that is just the coolest thing ever. Um so you know, this guy follows my philosophy. It don't have to be pretty, but it's gotta be functional, and I bet you this thing is solid. You could drive a car into this thing and it ain't gonna move. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's all two it looks, by fours. It looks like he spent the money other places than you know, then the rig, it, you know, the rig might be his last thing to do. The way it's kind of put together, it's almost haphazard. Like, he just kept building onto it and building onto it until it was right. Out of all of this, the one, I can deal with the cords, I can deal with the wood. The one thing that has me stressing out right now from looking at this, the first picture, is the glass of water sitting on the table above all of this. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, the I'm other thing is, is uh, we're going to send him a level. Uh, for that one right by that one piece of right above the uh, emo- emoji ball. Yeah, yeah. No <laughs> way. Job, though, no man. way. Y- y- th- this is awesome. You you can't change it. Um, it's lacking duct tape, but other than that, th- this is a good quality build. I knew you'd and, like this one. And I'm not trying to make fun of it. You know, we all have setups that we've built, and you know, I I may, I may come off that I'm that way, but I, I appreciate when people share these type of things. Okay, Greg, you're next. Uh, 8020, where do you get it? This was a question I've always wanted to ask because I've never, you know, I've only learned about 8020 uh, through our podcast and seeing people's rigs and stuff and dealing with iRacing stuff. I've never heard of it up until this point. Um, so there's a website here, uh, www.tnuts.com. So that's T N U T Z. 
com. So you can grab all the, it's got everything that you're going to possibly need to uh, order to make your own stuff here, I guess. And it says, uh, sh- and shipping looks pretty fast for it. Yeah, if you want to buy it and you know what you know what you want, this is where you get it, tnuts.com. Or there's another place you can actually buy it from a guy on eBay who's very well known in a community called 4Play Racing USA. So if you go to ebay.com, search for the number 4, Play Racing USA, all one word, and you'll find his uh, seller page where he has 8020 uh, cockpits for sale that are all pre-built and ready to go. And so uh, here's one for 489 He's got another one here for uh, $599. Both these websites, if you type in a wrong letter, could send you to the wrong sites. Well, especially when it's called T-Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, four-play racing on eBay. Uh, a lot of people I've seen in the forums have bought and rigs from this guy. It's good to know this now because, like I said, I've never, I never heard about this stuff until uh, I saw people starting building with it. But it looks so versatile. You know, if I was starting over, I'd really, really be taking a hard look at eighty twenty. I, in fact, I saw a different thread. I didn't put it on the the th- uh, the show uh, this week where people were asking, somebody was asking, what's the best kind of cockpit to get. And a lot of the responses, I mean, like 70% of them were 80-20. I mean, that was the majority of the responses. I think the best thing for that is probably also the reason they do that is everybody comes in different shapes and sizes, right? So, you know, you can customize it to yourself. And you could add on to it, you know, later, build to it. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Yeah, that was my thing. I was thinking you can make your add-ons without swapping on you know, different links to 2 by 4 all right (laughs) let's keep moving mason gtr simulator yeah so uh gtr simulation has a new rig for pre-order it is called the gtm motion simulator model black frame Um, it's supposedly full motion and uh, it looks like it has a triple monitor stand that comes with it it's attached to the the whole base um it is stationary as far as um the base goes, looks like they, they ship it with a seat. And if you pre-order now, uh, you get a free seat belt and 30% off. Okay, nice. $3,000. Out of stock. Well, it's on pre-order. That's why it says out of stock. But Oh. Yeah, it's, you know, this has got the, it, I want to call it tr- traction loss, where the it moves left to right on the rear. But when you look closer and you zoom in, it looks like it just kind of moves the chair from left to right. And if you look closely, the chair is like on a pivot. Um, It's like only attached in the center. Do you see that? So it's rotating from like right underneath you. So it just turns. So it like shift to the left and right, I think. But how does that, that doesn't really work though if, if your seat's moving, but the steering wheel is staying in the same spot, that kind of doesn't feel, should, wouldn't feel authentic. Yeah, I want to see a video before I buy it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen a video, but uh, but that's kind of what it looks like. So the website, gtrsimulator.com. And uh, I'm trying to figure out where they're out of. I went to their contact page. It looks like they're out of Ontario, California. 
All right, let's keep moving. I got the next one. Uh, this one is kind of a similar name, but it's called GT Omega Pro Racing Simulator Supreme R6 Seat. Uh, this product is also on pre-order. Now, we've talked about GT Omega before. Their website is usa.gtomegaracing.com. But uh, they have a new item out, and it's on pre-order, um, and it's $630, okay? Uh, free shipping. And uh, what do That's you guys think? It's, really it's like good a stationary deal. cockpit, yeah. That's a really good deal for everything you get in it. It is. I mean, if it comes with the triple monitor uh, mounts. It's, it's got, got the, the cockpit, uh, the, the keyboard stand and all that stuff. Like, that's a that's a really good, like, base setup to, you know, get you going that's not uh, motion. But for 620, to get, because most, most setups don't come under $1,000 with, with the triple monitor stands. Plus yeah, the seat. This will handle 327s. And that looks like a very comfortable, is it leather seat? Is it a leather seat? Might be. Leather-ish. Right. Synthetic leather. And I think our uh, teammate Joe Owen has the older version of this. And he likes it, so. You just, don't normally, you just don't normally see, you know, the keyboard stand added in and all that stuff as well. And the, the, the triple monitor mount looks solid. From what I can see, the way it's designed. Yeah, you can move it distance-wise, which is nice. I definitely would have been interested in this if it was out when I was looking for a rig. Yeah, and then free shipping. I mean, so 630 bucks. I mean, if you're looking at a stationary rig, yeah, you might want to check this out. Free GT shipping, Omega. that would be that'd be heavy too. So that's really where you save the money. Yeah, uh, the free shipping is a huge thing. Now it's a pre-order. I don't know when it ships, but uh, check it out. Let's keep moving. Chris Scales. Back in stock by the 31st of January. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, Chris Scales, you're next on uh, Asus Overclock Settings. Yeah, next is a forum post from Michael Main uh, with detailed instructions on how he overclocked his... Uh, he had an Intel 8700K, and he overclocked it to 5 gigahertz. Uh, really awesome. Um, you know, as this guy just continues to be, I mean, he's just awesome and everything uh sim racing but uh yeah the man this is totally worth the checking out if you have this processor and a asus motherboard um i guess just look for asus motherboard or i get you probably have a lot hard time finding the post if, i yeah, guess just look for michael asus main and asus motherboard, motherboard yeah because yeah. i know michael has a lot of posts but um yeah definitely worth giving it a shot um i know I, I didn't see where if you posted his exact motherboard i know that uh from motherboard to motherboard, uh, the overclock might not always be stable, but it's, it's definitely worth a shot and save you a ton of time. This dude's great. He gives really good detailed instructions too of how yeah. to do it. Yeah, he um, he even um, details a couple of the steps that could uh, where if it does, if you do have an unstable overclock, he kind of uh, lets you know what's doing what, so that you'll know what direction to look um, to to get it stable. Yeah, he's just he's a great guy. It's it's a process. It's not just push a couple buttons and you're done. You got to like do some setting changes, you know, reboot, see how it's running, then make some more changes and so forth. Yeah, and he puts you in all those those the right directions to make those adjustments too. Very very helpful. 
Now, I recently overclocked my computer, my new one, just for because my so there's software installed that does it. And all I had to do was push a button. And I think it went up 29% or something. And so right now, I'm running at uh, 4,700 megahertz on my uh, i7-8700K. And uh, I was thinking, you know, do I need to go over 5K? Uh, is 4,700 enough? And I was debating about actually doing this Michael Main post. Um, but I decided not to at this point. I don't really have a need to overclock at the, you know, cause I have a really good setup as it is. So, uh, for now I'm not going to, but if you guys want to check that out, go find it. All right, Tony, uh, a big announcement by VRS. Yeah. Yeah. This is a big announcement. And, uh, so right at the beginning of the year, this was posted January 1st, um, VRS sim racing, a hardware announcement. Um, they announced, uh, to kick the year off with uh, their hardware initiative. Um, they're, uh, they're looking at, you know, the offerings out there and, you know, they're, they're, they're not happy with the, with the gap between pricing and quality. Um, so they're looking to bring out their own line of stuff um, at a, at a reasonable price to, I guess, be able to hit the masses. Um they uh they don't particularly say what they're coming out with um just a range of uh various standalone components um but they it looks like they uh they're di they could be diving into direct drive wheels um they don't say much more than that except uh to follow the facebook page to to get the latest updates and some of their drivers already are testing out products as well so that are part of the virtual racing school um what do you call them? mentors or uh, the help helpers oh they're already on the beta stuff on the beta hardware they're they're working um like they're 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 people that um uh, put out the videos and all that stuff are already using products that they're developing nice well i mean this is a very well-known company in the community you know, by offering the setup service and the school and all that, uh, boy, if they can get involved in the hardware side of it, why not? Let's bring it on. I mean, all this competition drives down prices. So, all right, very cool. Uh, that's it for hardware software. A couple other final topics to finish up. Greg, Podium Esports has their first street stock winner. I'm I'm doing this one because of what I said to him, isn't it? Anyways, so <laughs> yeah, oh, I want to congratulate. Here it is. Let me hear it. <laughs> I want to congratulate uh, teammate Brent McCoy on his uh, win yesterday in the Podium Esports Street Sock at Michigan. Now, Brent is here with us. He, uh, I guess, Brent, you know, how did that race go for you? And uh, what's it like to be the first or the inaugural winner of the, a Podium Esports Series event? Well, to start out, I mean, it's, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, this was a league ever since they dropped the, we all saw these videos that they dropped probably two months ago for the Elite Series and um, the Truck Series that they were doing, and it caught my attention right away, and I was always a huge fan of it, and to be able to join the street stocks, I wanted to run something different, because as everyone knows, us here at Tifosi Racing, we're all into the road racing, and we're all into the uh, A car, well, I wanted to expand, you know, go back to my roots, I guess you could say. 
So the street stocks was it. And to be able to get that first win and the inaugural one for all of Podium Esports, including all four series that they run, was pretty cool. So the race was good. We started uh, P2. I gave up the pole, missed the shift coming out of pit road, I think is what, what cost me in it. And um, was up front, me, Mason, and David Hall. Mason and David Hall were in team speak with me, and they were pretty much cheering me on. So thank you guys for that. And, um, yeah, I got caught up in a, a wreck about – three quarters of the way through recovered had 10 laps to go and i was p19 two cautions later and a green white checkered and i'm coming around the high side out of turn four for the win so it worked out pretty well i give a lot of credit to mason and uh david for calming me down in that entire time i was pretty pissed off after that that big wreck to put me back to p19 so it was definitely a team win even though they weren't in it it was good for us you need a stress ball and they have a nice an broadcast, emoji. too. What's that, Mike? Go ahead. They have a nice broadcast on the Twitch, it looks like. Yeah, I hope it was pretty good. I haven't uh, I haven't had a chance to watch it. I'm actually going to watch the one that they're doing tonight. They're doing the Elite Series tonight, Silver. So, um, yeah, everyone I've talked to said that the broadcast is pretty good, and they got a good production going on. So, Yeah, the, the cameras were great. They definitely are really going at this eSports in the right way. And have pro- their promotional videos and everything are just, you know, it seems like they're top-notch stuff that they're going to be putting out here. Yeah, and they, I think what I like about it is there's an incentive to actually race. You know, like, you get in some leagues and it's there's not really that incentive. You just want it for clean racing. But for here, there's actually money on the line. Like, I think for the street stocks, the, pod- the purse is like $500 throughout the entire year or something like that. And then the elite, I want to say it's like a thousand, fifteen hundred, somewhere around there. So, pretty exciting. Yeah, they really took off. I mean, their Facebook page has over fifteen hundred likes. That's huge for a brand new league. I mean, we just went over a thousand likes on our iRacers Lounge page, and we've been working on that for years. And uh, yeah, they're doing a great job over there, from what I've seen. Yeah, there's there's definitely interest, and I'm looking at their elite. The drivers for the elite, you know, they got Logan Clamp and Devin Sear and all those guys that are in it. A couple pro guys, and I bet you for the elite series, there's probably a good 100, 120 drivers that are in it, and the same with the trucks. So it's uh, definitely picking up. All right, well, congratulations on the win. I got the final topic. Uh, guess what? We're on Spotify now, guys. We're big time. Uh, this is probably the one last place I have not been able to get the podcast. And uh, I tried it, uh, I think, late summer. And I hit a roadblock, and it, you know, didn't hear back from them. Uh, just on a whim, I tried it a couple days ago, and guess what? We're now on Spotify. So if you go to Spotify, you can search iRacers Lounge and get all of our 157 episodes. So check it out. All right, let's jump into final topics. Uh, Brent McCoy. So we got an exciting time here at Tofosi Race, and we got a lot of stuff coming up. I know December was kind of a down year for us, but I know as a team lately, I'm looking forward to uh, getting this 24 ironed out, getting the kinks figured out and the schedules put together, and actually getting in some practice races. So just looking forward to that. All right, very good. Chris Scales, final thought. Oh, real happy to uh, not be racing on one monitor. Looking forward to uh, getting back on the sim and trying out some more VR. All right, welcome to VR. Greg Hectus. Uh, just want to, uh, I'm just thankful for how this everything's gone this last year. We're going to start a new year here. Um, it's definitely been 
very entertaining and and fun to race in the old bastards racing league um i i've uh passed my probation i guess they wanted to keep me in there um and i seem to be racing with the same guys and uh which is a refreshing you know take to be in with the same guy it's up in front and racing them and know what they're gonna do it's it's been really good for that series with me racing um and i'm really enjoying having teammates in the room in in the races with us so uh look forward to uh, keep doing those races we'll be at martinsville next week um and uh, you can follow me on um can watch my uh, races on uh, twitch.tv slash frozen cactus frozen with two o's cactus with two k's and uh yeah we'll see you then all right very good mason stiver final thought yeah it's uh been a little bit since we had a podcast but uh my Indianapolis week was fantastic. I finished second a couple times, um, but this Charlotte week has not been great so far. So uh, looking forward to getting out of Charlotte and uh, working on some setups. All right, you're an animal in that A Open. 160 laps that Charlotte race was last night. Uh, boy, that was a long one. Uh, Tony Groves, final thoughts? Yeah, well, I was hoping the you know, the, the new year was going to be, be able to hit a, hit the reset button for myself. Um, that hasn't happened yet. So I'm going to continue smashing on the reset button. Um, looking, uh, I got to flip things around. I have not had very good finishes in pretty much any of my races for, a Oh, it's, it's been probably two months now and it's, it's, uh, getting long and thin. So I got to figure out, I got to figure out something that, that reset button, uh, it, it needs to start working for me. Right, something different. All right, uh, my final thoughts. Uh, wow, uh, I've been racing a lot of varied uh, unofficial stuff. Uh, uh, hosted and different things, testing. I've been ghosting people. We've been doing streaming a lot. We've been getting a lot of our teammates up on streaming. Uh, in fact, a bunch of us are now streaming to Facebook Live and on the Tifosi Racing Facebook Live page. In fact, we can stream at the same time even and have multiple live streams going on that page. And so uh, I thought, boy, wouldn't it be cool? We get a, in the Daytona 500 and we got eight or ten Facebook streams going all at the same time at Tifosi Racing on Facebook. And that's kind of a goal. And trying to get everybody to try to get onto one platform has been a challenge. But um, but it seems to be a good platform. I've had really good success streaming to Facebook Live. Uh, if you guys want to check it out, I mean, go check it out on Facebook. You'll see my stream. And uh, David Hall is streaming like a madman over there, everything he's running. And uh, and several other people as well, Mason and, and so forth. Uh, so uh, check us out there. Don't forget to check us on Spotify as well. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.